does it take to build a solar development firm from the ground up? And how can minority-owned businesses tap into explosive growth in PPAs? In today's Greenlight episode, I will discuss this and more with Gilbert Campbell, CEO and co-founder of Volt Energy and board member of SIA and the American Association of Blacks in Energy. I continue to be impressed by Gilbert's tenacity, both in terms of his dedication to sustainability, as well as helping our industry progress in terms of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Gilbert has been featured in the Huffington Post, Fast Company, and The Atlantic for his leadership in clean energy, environmental justice, and DEI initiatives. Our industry is quite fortunate to have Gilbert, and I'm honored to be able to sit down with him to talk about how Volt Energy is both enabling greater DEI internally as it scales, as well as helping disadvantaged communities prosper through clean energy projects. Thanks for tuning into the green light. Now let's dive in. Catherine McLean, founder and CEO of Dylan Green, and today I have with me Gilbert Campbell. Gilbert is the CEO of Volt Energy and is based in Arlington, Virginia, and he is my neighbor. <laughs> Welcome, Gilbert. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me, Catherine. I appreciate it, neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> I wish we do this in person. Maybe next time. So, Gilbert, tell us a little bit about your background and your current company and role. Sure. So originally from Philadelphia, I say that because football kicks off on Sunday. So I'm a diehard Philadelphia sports fan, but I went to Howard University, worked in corporate America for about 10 years after that, primarily doing management consulting, as well as biotech sales and got into management. And then in 2007, my business partner and I, Antonio Francis, co-founded the company, but it was like a walking business plan for two years. We still had full-time jobs. So we really launched the company, I'd say like 2009 is when it became a full-time venture. And what made you decide to launch Vault? Yeah, great question. So I always knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur and every job I did kind of led to skill sets that would lead to me becoming an entrepreneur, but I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. And an opportunity came in 2006, 2007 to help a wind developer do sales in North America. So Antonio, who co-founded a company with me, we both went to Panama, for example, and we were working on trying to get a wind farm, excuse me, developed there. So in that process, started to understand, okay, well, clean energy makes sense because outside of payroll for most organizations and large companies, Utility costs are the second highest line item. So if you can do a social good where you can help company and organization save on the bottom line, but doing so in an environmentally responsible way that's also helping our planet and creating a carbon-free energy future just made sense. So I always knew I wanted to be like an entrepreneur had some level of a social good and solar provided that opportunity. Yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean. That's how I feel. So recently you've taken on a couple of new roles on board, such as SIA and ABE, the Association for Blacks and Energy. Can you talk a little bit about what you're trying to accomplish in those roles? Yeah, so first off, both those organizations are led by wonderful women. So at SIA, Abby Hopper, and uh, Abe, Paula Glover, who I have the utmost respect for, they don't need us. They can run it themselves, but it's been an awesome experience and humbling experience to be on both boards. And it's some, I just joined the board, so SIA I've been on a little bit longer for a few months. Part of my responsibility on both boards is just to help the organization think through their vision and strategy moving forward for you know the next five, 10 years. Also thinking about policies and different things that they should implement. 
And especially in the times that we're in right now, a big component of what both organizations are doing a very good job of grappling with is racial disparities and social justice initiatives that, you know, that are really kind of going across the country. So part of what I do, for example, on the CEO board, I'm part of the Diversity Inclusion Task Force, where we're trying to set forth the best practices for the industry to follow as it relates to all items related to diversity and inclusion. And when we get to Abe, Abe has a pillar, five pillar program as far as best practices for equity and energy. So it's kind of helping them to, to get that message out to the broader industry as well. But both wonderful organizations, like I said, exemplary leaders that I'm just happy to, to serve. I wanted to ask you just quickly going back to you being an entrepreneur and becoming a co-founder of Volt. What advice would you have for people looking to take on a role like that for other entrepreneurs? I would say think a dream big, you know, have a lot of naysayers and then just work your plan. It takes a long time, you know, be six months. It's going to be 18 months. If you need to raise a million dollars, raise $5 million. Hard lessons that I've learned that things take a little longer than what you expect. You need a little more money than what you expect, but if you dream big and you really work your plan and, and execute it, there's nothing that you can't do. And I would just say, I also believe serve first. I try to give much as back as I can to the community partners that I work with. And then I think when you do the right thing and plant those seeds down the road, you have people that say, well, what can I do to assist you as you're growing? I would just say, don't lose track of who you are. Just find things that you're passionate about. And if you can marry that to whatever entrepreneurship that you're running, that would be some advice that I'd have. And talking a little bit about solar uh, PPA contracts, minority-owned businesses. Mm -hmm. So corporates bought a record amount of clean energy through PPAs in 2019, and that's up more than 40% from the prior year, according to Bloomberg New Energy Finance. Are diverse companies benefiting from this tremendous growth? And if not, why not? What can be done to ensure minority-owned businesses are benefiting equally? That's a great question, Catherine. And the answer would be no. And that's a big passion of mine. And it's not that corporations, corporations are signing these large PPAs. Most of them have very strong supply diversity programs right. and doing great jobs in other areas. Because this is somewhat of a new area, I think they just haven't necessarily thought about diversity in the nexus comparing it to sustainability or with solar or wind, for example. Uh, so it, it is a big issue because when you look at, especially when you're talking about black and brown communities, those are the communities that have got all the worst aspects of like bad environmental policy, living near, you know, a fossil fuel power plant, close to 70% of African-Americans live within 30 miles of a coal power plant. So as we're building clean power plants, all those PPAs are creating long-term wealth for businesses. The communities that got all of the bad aspects of bad climate policy really should be benefiting from having clean energy power plants in their communities job creation and wealth creation. So the reason that, that I'm so passionate about that, a power purchase agreement can be 10 years, it can be a 20 year contract that's creating real capital, real wealth. And that's something that in underserved communities really should be building some of that wealth. And unfortunately it's not happening, but part of my job is to make sure that it does, not just for companies like Volvo, for other companies across the board to uh, make sure they're participating and getting you know, some of these large and long-term contracts. And the last thing I'll say is when you talk to most entrepreneurs and especially entrepreneurs of color, access to capital is usually a big hindrance. But when you talk about signing a power purchase agreement, let's say with a large Fortune 500 company, because they're a strong counterparty and you're signing a contract with someone you know is gonna be around 
10, 15, 20 years from now, it makes raising capital not that much of a hindrance. So Volt has a range of impressive clients from the U.S. Army Cheesecake Factory, love the Cheesecake Factory, <laughs> um, to Howard University, your alma mater. What's your favorite project that Volt has implemented and why? Oh, wow. <laughs> so you're going to put me <laughs> on the spot with my, with my favorite project. I'm going to give a politically correct answer. So many favorite projects. <laughs> they're, they're all my favorite. Each project's been unique, but I'm really committed to, you probably can tell, doing work in the community. So the project that we worked on where it's had a direct impact to community and particularly with young people. So the work that we do, you know, we've done, like, for example, at Howard University, uh, where we've got students involved from the School of Business, School of Engineering, untraditional schools that you might not think a solo company would be working with, the School of Communications, where they're helping us with, like, press releases and understanding, like, how we develop marketing. Also, with the little kids. So we've done some projects with the KIPP Charter Schools and explaining to second and third graders, you know, how their iPads get power and, and how they will be the ones running the country and running the country smarter with better clean energy policy. So they're our future leaders. Anytime I can get a chance to work with young people in community projects, like I mentioned, KIPP, Wake Forest, Howard University. And we've also done some projects with African-American churches. We're doing a project with the synagogue now. Not only are you helping that organization, but it's members as well, too, to talk about what they can do, what they can take home as it relates to looking at solar energy efficiency. So That's great. I like that. And so talking about greater equity through your solar projects, what example could you give around environmental justice in underserved communities and some of the projects that you might have been involved with? that address that? I'll use one for example, Florida Avenue Baptist Church, which is a project we probably did eight years ago. Wow. Um, it was the first African-American church to install solar energy and it's right in the heart of Washington, D.C. on Florida Avenue, as you can tell by the name. And when I met with the pastor and presented the idea of doing solar, you know, he's a visionary, Dr. Earl Trenton. He saw like how it would impact not just saving the utility bills, but the greater good for the younger people in the church to look at this as an industry. And that kind of goes back to the point I was saying earlier, as far as the underserved communities that have been at the hardest should be in the front line as far as the positive aspects. So that is a great story where we were able to successfully do a solo project there. And if you were to do a tour there now, especially on the weekend, there'd be one of the youth in the church would give you a tour and it explained to you how solar works, how kilowatt hours work, DC versus AC electricity. So just kind of having that impact. And then the other thing that we did at Florida Avenue is we helped them establish a green ministry. So not just dealing with solar, but their members of the church, and especially the older members that have you know limited income, walking them through how to read their utility bills, which can be very hard to read. An example of how we've kind of done work in the community, I mentioned the KIPP charter schools where we've come in and done workshops to students about you know careers in energy and just how energy works. And then Howard's real-time example, as I mentioned before, how we're using every school within the campus to make sure that students are, are part of the process and they're looking at clean energy as a real career to explore. Yeah, I really like that example of working with older members of the church on their utility bill, because I'm sure there's also some opportunity for cost savings there that they weren't even Absolutely. aware of. Absolutely. With things like fuel poverty being so prevalent amongst that community. Just to let you know, like kind of back to my point earlier, when you do the right thing and you show up, that project was a, probably our smallest project that we've done. And we did a ribbon cutting ceremony there. Lisa Jackson, who was the EPA administrator under President Obama at the time, 
gave keynote remarks. Tom Graham, who was the president of Pepco at the time, was there as well as a, a host of other dignitaries. And that project went viral, like National Geographic did a special one. And so it just shows that the goal was let's encourage other churches, other community organizations in underserved communities to really think about solar. And I, and I commend Florida Avenue for their leadership being the first to do so. Yeah, that's great. And I'm sure there are other uh, churches that contact them for advice and it, it's self-perpetuating. Uh, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So my final question is, what are some ways that Volt has facilitated greater diversity, equity, and inclusion internally? So we've talked a lot about external. What about things like board members using diverse subcontractors or otherwise? And what are top recommendations that you can give other clean energy companies to do the same? That's a great question. So I think it's a misconception being that we're a majority minority owned firm that we don't have work to do. But being honest, we have a lot of work to do as it relates to diversity and inclusion in our own company. So one of the first things that I kind of identified and we're addressing now, looking at our board, we have a lack of women. I'm excited that we've got one person, this one woman that's going to join. I can't announce that yet. And there's so many qualified, wonderful candidates, but that's an area that we had look internally. We are taking steps to address. And then I say also looking at our supply chain. So, you know, we buy goods and services to run our business, making sure that we have a supply adversity program. We're a small to medium company, but looking at what large companies do, they have strong supply diversity programs with specific goals. And we've set a goal internally to spend 30 percent of our goods and services with diverse firms. Uh, so that's another example. And then I would say as it relates to our day-to-day role of developing solar projects, being a developer, we're able to select the installer that builds the project for us, the company that's going to do operation and maintenance. Again, these are 10 to 20 year projects. So we've been intentional in looking for African-American, Latino, and women-owned companies Mm -hmm. that work with us. And we've actually had some success. We found a very strong African-American solar installer that we're using for our projects. We're working with an African-American engineering firm that's helping us with interconnection, which can be a nightmare when you're connecting the solar system with the utility company. And, And we're going to continue to pursue other partners that work with. You hear all the time, well, they're not diverse firms in this space. There are, and if they're not, then you need to create opportunities, whether it's having them serve as a sub with a larger company, but in a real way, not where they're just showing up superficially, but they're able to build their capacity and eventually be able to kind of stand on their own too. So we definitely have more work to do and are fully committed to making sure that we're doing the best that we can do for diversity and inclusion. So your last part, I guess, of the question was, what would I recommend for other companies to do? I would say start at your board level. If you have a diverse board, you know, we tend to hire and you know, have an affinity for people that we just know. But by having a diverse group on your board brings new relationships outside of our comfort zone. So I think that's important. I also think it's extremely important for your leadership team to be diverse. So I would say not just board, but also leadership team, and then recruiting. So what does your pipeline look like? Are you going out to historically black colleges, universities? Are you going out being aggressive and finding the future women leaders for your companies? But then also when you're in the company, do you have affinity groups to make sure that the diversity and inclusion is part of your cultural DNA? So do people feel safe in the company? Do they feel respected? So those are some things that I would say And then just lastly would be, again, going back to think about for business owners, all of the money that you spend to run your business and subcontracting opportunities, 
and really try to look for diverse firms and a lot of them that are out there. And that's where, again, going back to organizations like SIA and Abe can also help point resources to say, well, we're looking for a diverse firm and XYZ and energy. That's kind of where both of those organizations can serve as a wonderful resource. Great. Well, thank you so much for your time, Gilbert. Oh, thank you, Catherine. This, is, this has been uh, fun. Thanks for listening to the Greenlight Podcast. Are you looking for your next role in climate tech? Join the latest growing network of clean tech professionals and be the first to know about what industry-leading clean tech companies first post new job openings, from development to finance to marketing, by checking out our website, dylan-green.com slash latest hyphen jobs. Dylan Green is transforming business through talent. You can also find us on YouTube where we engage with today's top clean energy leaders.